you get off on the weird? Monsters, Halloween, horror. You've heard of word porn, car porn, earth porn. Now prepare yourself for monster porn. Is this really a good idea? Weird fiction and horror podcast. Created by the Backwards Hat Guy, Matt Cummins. Are you trying to teach psychic powers to animals? Puggles, the abomination trapped in the body of an adorable teacup piggy. Good for humans. And myself, lead occultist, Brett Norwood. Today's story is The Battle of the Bulge by Matt Cummins. Good Monday, Monster Baiters. It sure is a nice, peaceful Monday out there. What with a third of the world's population dead from the corona plague. What? The mortality rate is something like 2% from what I understand. They're not dead. Everyone's just hiding in their house, hoarding first world domestic supplies instead of canned food and water. Oh, well that's disappointing. I surely thought God would chasten us with a mightier plague than that. But you know what's not disappointing, Matt? Well, you can't mean your personality to the women that you meet on Tinder. This new Apple Podcast review. Monsterbaiter Bailey Cookie writes, Love it so much. That's with a full stop in between each one of those words. Just the right combination of humor, horror, and very clever writing. Awesome narration and sound effects. This podcast grows on you. Just subscribed. Thank you, Bailey Cookie, for that awesome Apple Podcast review. Yeah, that was awesome. And so are you, Bailey. So are you. We'd also like to thank all our monster baiters for your support. Please remember that if you like the show, to subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us a ton. And with that, all I can say is on to the show. Dude, it's Totes Creepers out there. What? What did you just say? I've been observing the locals in this strange land, Matt. I've decided it's best to cloak myself... In normalcy. Your disgust is palpable, Matt, and I feel it also. However, my superior social intelligence allows me to transition easily into the persona of a normie. Ah, right. For sure, bro. Stop that. Would you two shut up? God, are you still whining back there? Shut up. I'll, I'll never have that crunchy texture in my mouth again. That's what the proverbial adult female said. Oh, stop that. That wasn't even close. Hey, can you check the map? Where are we? Consulting the scribble on the back of the Starbucks napkin. Hey, it's the only thing I could find to draw on before my truck developed its own mind, okay? Hey man, it says we're way off the road to desolation. But this one says way of the beam. It looks like it leads directly to Stark Tower. What? Oh, no, no, that says uh, Dark Tower. Oh, oh, for shizzle. I thought we were crossing imaginary worlds, brah. I'm in it for that Avengers shit. Doc Strange is my boy. Please go back to being an occultist creep. Hey, 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 get that, get that backwards hat shit out of my fucking face. Okay, Jesus, okay. Oh, oh my God. Word. Is that an industrial laundry press in the middle of the street? Uh Uh-huh. You bet your ass, dude. Is... is it... is it 
walking? Is it walking around? And ejecting human bodies like they're clay pigeons. And that dog, that giant rabid St. Bernard is, is fetching them. Oh, God, I thought we wrote weird shit, but Stephen King's mind is fucking bizarre. Dude, we need to go another way. Oh, yeah, let's hang a sick left up here, Brohemoth. This will be a shortcut, and there's a church on that path. What could go wrong in a church? In this world? Brett, you're skeptical of churches in our dimension. For sure, dude. Sometimes you go in there and God isn't God, you feel me? But if I'm to blend in with you normies, I have to act like, in the technical terms, I'm an imbecilic douche. Or as you people call it, cool. Oh, would you look at that? It seems to be raining blood on this path. Oh, shit! Oh, no! That, that, that blood? That's, that's pig's blood! Max's head hit the pillow, he closed his eyes, and the world disappeared. He stepped behind the curtain of sleep where he found himself in an amusing dream with a setup like a 90s sitcom. He was living in a cabin with his wife and two former girlfriends. His sense of unease should have been palpable to the other three in the cabin, but they seemed to be going about their morning, business as usual. In the dream, he woke next to his wife in bed and sat up to find Kara, a tall, athletic girl he dated a few times in his college years, slipping on a button-up shirt and pulling it over her breasts. Breasts which had grown considerably since sophomore year. She looked at him, made a joke, he understood this by her body language more than the words, and then bounced on her toes so that her breasts jiggled up and down. Then she finished dressing and left. Max looked at his wife, who had gotten up, dressed, and was getting ready to leave. Lizzie didn't seem bothered in the least by the fact that other grown, attractive women were walking around the room, tits out. Suddenly, Max was on his feet and moving toward the bathroom when he saw Ashley, a girl he'd never really dated but had a somewhat more than casual encounter with, twice. They had long been friends, and then one spring after a night of drinks, they had an intimate night he wished he could remember. All he did remember was waking up feeling like an ice pick was being hammered into his temples and finding that he was quite naked. Sleeping peacefully in the bed next to him was Ashley, who was equally naked. Afterward, he found himself in the uncomfortable position of having to tell her that he didn't want to date her, which was hard enough to say to someone you only dated a few times, but was much harder to say to a friend. He could tell she was disappointed and felt horrible about it, but not bad enough to keep it from happening again. Such was life at the age of 21. In Max's experience, you spent much of your early 20s bitter and licking your wounds from the falling away of a first love, only to dole out the same selfish treatment to someone else. That someone else was likely a person who had gone through their own cycle of unrequited love and was simultaneously mistreating another close to them. That age had been one of an abuse of intimacy, and Max had fallen hard on both sides. Fifteen years later, he'd seen Ashley and realized that she would have been a good person to date. A catch, really. Luckily, he'd found Lizzie. Or she had found him. It had been she who had pursued the relationship at first, and then once he'd finally asked her out, he found himself spending time with a person who empowered him to feel completely comfortable in his own skin. As he stepped into the bathroom with Ashley, he found that it was somehow spacious enough to fit both of them without appearing any bigger than it did in real life. In the dream, this distortion of space and the strange physics seemed entirely natural. What didn't seem natural to Max was the fact that a pretty blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman 
and a tall, athletic brunette beauty were sharing a small living space with him and his wife. If he'd thought about the implied possibilities, it would have been a situation that could only be described as being too good to be true. But as it was, Max found it uncomfortable, as though the words group sex were being whispered by a phantom, and he was the only one who seemed capable or interested to hear. That's when he had the suspicion that he'd been dreaming. It wasn't a sharp and sudden realization as much as it was a creeping suspicion. There was no way his wife would allow him to live, sleep, and share space when she was at work with two women whom he'd made the beast with two backs in a former life. Max stood in the bathroom looking at Ashley. He wondered what would happen if he made a move. Would it be the same as it was when they were younger? Would she accept it with enthusiasm? Or would she leave with a look of disgust and go directly to Lizzie and tell? Did he even want to make that move? He could feel the attraction. But that feeling was not near enough to make him want to throw away what he had with his wife. Lizzie was his best friend, and, as a bonus, she was also the best sex he'd had by a large margin. But if this were a dream, it wouldn't matter, would it? He decided it had to be a dream, so he reached out his hand and touched Ashley's lower back. She arced her back slightly, but not in discomfort. He slid his hand down and cupped her buttocks. She turned towards him, a small hint of a smile on her lips. Her cheeks flushed slightly as she parted her lips, and a small exhalation escaped. She pressed her lips into his, and he kissed her, working his hand up toward the breasts he wished he remembered. Then a pillow hit him in the face. Get back on your side of the bed, Lizzie said, and Max stared up at the flowery pink print of the cotton pillowcase. He pushed it downward, hoping that it covered the erection that was aching beneath the sheets. Lizzie turned away and faced the wall. Max lay on his back and tried to remember every moment of the dream. He was relieved it had been a dream. He wouldn't cheat on Lizzie in a million years but he was massively disappointed that he hadn't taken advantage of the dream. He never took advantage of his dreams, not after he was married, anyway. On one hand, he was proud that he was so loyal that he wouldn't even cheat on his wife in his sleep, but on the other hand, he was hugely disappointed that he wouldn't have at least seen how far he could push the dream into a fantasy. He had no problem with sexual fantasy. Max had long ago accepted fantasy as a part of life and he realized that just because you thought about it didn't mean you would act upon it. Before he met Lizzie, his dreams had been a carnival funhouse for his id. If it wasn't a titillating dream of fornication, then he was typically accomplishing some superhuman feat of strength or flight. Even his tendency to have strange dreams with heavy religious symbolism and demonic forces were like an adventure book come to life. Now, he mostly dreamt about things that happened at work and his kids. Lizzie, Ashley, and Kara in a foursome. Now that would have been one hell of an experience, he thought. Then he wondered if a marriage could possibly survive such an experience, and why it seemed so alluring despite all that could be thrown away. The dream was fading, and though he'd kissed Ashley in the dream, he realized as he woke up that it had felt like kissing Lizzie. Max looked down at the lump in the sheets that had not regressed, but had, in fact, grown more stubborn as though it were fighting to give up the dream as well. He supposed that it was. Max turned and pulled the covers down slightly to readjust. That is when he noticed that Lizzie was wearing the new thong that he'd bought her. Max looked at the clock and saw that it was four in the morning. Lizzie was never into morning sex. 
But that didn't mean he was ever going to stop trying. Max got out of the shower feeling refreshed and went to his dresser next to the bed. He pulled the dresser drawer open and reached in to find his underwear. Letting the towel fall, he began to get dressed. There was something about having sex that made a man feel like he had a little more ownership over his place. He walked around the room nude looking for his belt, and he finally decided to get dressed. He was hoping that Lizzie would come out and be up for round two. He knew he'd be pressing his luck, but after getting late in the morning for the first time in over two years, he thought he'd see if he'd landed a hot streak. Then he saw the figurine sitting next to the bed on the nightstand. It was a small brownish-orange figurine of a broad Samoan woman with large, sagging breasts and a round belly. Oh, what the hell, Max said as Lizzie came out of the bathroom with a towel on and one over her hair as well. He turned and saw that she was smiling. What the heck is that, he said. Oh, I just wanted to put Lady Luck on our side, Lizzie said, laughing at him. <laughs> Lady Luck isn't a small fat fertility goddess, Max said. Lizzie shrugged and smiled. You're crazy, Max said. You might actually be crazy. Why would we want another kid? I thought you were just into it this morning, but you're just trying to get pregnant. Lizzie just continued smiling at him. She had no answer other than her internal biological clock was demanding. It was something that Max had always known about her. Lizzie was a great mother. She was made for mothering, but Max was of the opinion that it wasn't particularly wise to pop out more kids than you could care for, and he was convinced that two was his absolute maximum. That and he and Lizzie were not financially stable at all. Lizzie was of the opinion that they would figure it out, and Max thought she was right because if they had another kid, they would have to. Max had taken on some work as a self-employed trim carpenter. His renovation work had slowed down as the local housing market suffered a shortage in inventory. There simply weren't any flips to buy, which was unfortunate because investors would gladly put money down on renovations in a market where supply could not possibly match the demand. So he'd taken on a couple of jobs trimming out houses for general contractors, which wasn't bad work. He enjoyed it mostly. It was certainly easier to trim a new house where most of the walls and openings were square versus his renovation projects, where a single door opening could be as much as two inches out of level. It was okay work, and he loved the independence, but he wasn't making enough money to thrive. That was the problem with doing contract work. You either needed to fully commit, bring on employees, and take on as much work as you could, or you needed to find enough work to keep yourself busy. The problem caused by the latter approach was scheduling. Max found himself alternating between two states. He was either so busy that one person couldn't possibly keep up, or he felt like he was sitting on his ass watching his life pass him by. The latter was worse. When you were busy, there was stress, but at least you were so tired that you could sleep. Having the time to sit and think was torture. Yet Lizzie wanted another kid. Max could see it from her perspective if he really wanted to. She wanted a big family, and she didn't want to be trying to recover from a pregnancy in her mid-thirties. That was all very understandable to him. He just wanted to make sure that they began to pave the way to having some semblance of an estate to pass on to their kids someday. 
That night, when Max got home, he found a note pinned to the door. He read it, but the words took a moment to enter his consciousness. Above the sticky note, there was a red lace silk baby doll nightgown hanging from a plastic hanger. The note said, It's a full moon tonight. Max pulled down the note, crumpled it up, and then tossed it into a small waste bin in the corner of the room. He ran his hands over the baby doll nightgown and found the texture pleasant, but less fulfilling than it would have been over the supple curvature of a woman's body. A few minutes later, as Max was preparing some spaghetti for the kids' dinner, he got a text from Lizzie that read, Fell behind at work. We'll be home late. Well, son of a bitch, Max muttered as he poured the boiling water out and caught the noodles in a strainer over the sink. He looked at the nightgown still hanging from the door and thought, well, so much for you tonight. As Max got his girls into bed later that evening, his eldest daughter, Candace, smiled up at the ceiling, refusing to make eye contact with him as she arched her back up off the bed and began stomping around with her heels like some sort of weird crab creature. She giggled like a lunatic. All right, spit it out. What is it? Max said. Nothing, Candace said, and then giggled again and began flailing wildly. I thought when you turned five, the silliness would end, he said. Never, Candace shouted. All right, whatever. Keep your secrets, Max said. Just remember that I control who gets the cake pops from Starbucks. Candace's eyes popped open wide, and she began shaking her head and wriggling around like she was having a seizure. Not gonna crack, huh? Max said. Candace's inner conflict was palpable. Good night, love you, Max said as he kissed her head. As a concession, she shouted, I'm all out of monies, as Max left the room. What could that possibly mean? Max asked himself as he shook his head and thought, My kids are so weird. The girls, especially Candace, were always playing some little game. He went back to his room and got ready for bed. He took the nightgown off of the bedroom door and tossed it onto the chair in the corner of the room. He felt weird with his girls being able to see what his wife was going to wear. When Max and Lizzie had Candace, she was one of the only girls born to men in Max's whole generation on his side of the family. There were plenty of children. Hell, it seemed like his brothers couldn't stop having them. All of his older brothers had three kids or more, all boys. One of his brothers had four kids between three different women. He was a tile setter who was impregnating women at a professional athlete's pace. Max had settled into being a girl dad naturally enough, but having come from a very conservative family of mostly men, Max had little exposure to nudity. Lizzie came from a family that seemed to be an even split between sexes, and it was totally normal for Lizzie and her mom to get dressed in the same room together. In that way, it was completely normal for Lizzie to walk around nude in front of the girls. There was no precedent for that anywhere in Max's upbringing. Needless to say, he was a little old-fashioned in that way, however unintentional it was. Max stripped down and put on a pair of sweatpants. He looked at himself in the mirror and saw the bulge of muscle developing from his new workout regimen. But he had to ignore the fact that if he leaned left or right, there was still a roll of fat. The reality of being mid-30s was setting in. Max couldn't just play basketball and lift. He would have to start watching what he ate, and carefully. He went to bed and pulled back down the comforter. Winter seemed reluctant to release its firm hold over the valley that they lived in. It was crazy for Max to think that he needed the down comforter to stay warm at night, 
and in less than two months, he'd be sleeping naked under a single sheet and cursing about not having air conditioning. He was just about to climb into bed when he noticed the figurine of the fertility goddess. Lizzie had set it in a wide bowl, an artifact from Max's childhood ceramics class. And someone, the girls probably, had thrown money into the bowl. Offerings? Max said to the empty room and then laughed. Max laid on his back and thought for a moment about going to sleep. But the image of the rolls on his side wouldn't leave him. Max dropped onto the floor and began doing sit-ups. When he did go to sleep, Max found himself slipping back into the dream he had the previous night. He sat up in bed next to Lizzie. But suddenly, it wasn't just Lizzie. Kara was beside him in the red baby doll nightgown. He felt a hand across his chest, and it was Ashley. She was naked except for a pair of red panties. Is that what she looked like naked? Max thought, and he hoped so. Are you ready, big boy? He heard Lizzie say. Max looked up to see her straddling him, and she was also wearing the red baby doll nightgown. The other two women pulled themselves towards him, and Max laid back and thought, Finally. He was aware that he was dreaming, and he thought he'd found the loophole of dream fantasy. He wasn't cheating on Lizzie because her dream world counterpart was complicit, and that had to count for something. At some point, Max woke up, but it was difficult for him to tell because it seemed like he was slipping in and out of the dream. For a moment, he was quite sure he was awake and that he and Lizzie were making love. When did she come home, he thought, but then he remembered being vaguely aware of the sound of the door closing. Then a moment later, all three women were with him, and now it was Ashley on him. But then Ashley turned into Kara, and then Kara turned back into Lizzie. Max cried out in ecstasy and then fell into a deep, dreamless sleep. Max woke the next morning and tried to sit up. His abs were sore, particularly on his left side. Went a little too hard on the side bins, he thought to himself. The dream came back to him, and he wasn't sure what had actually happened until he climbed out of bed. As the covers slipped down, he noticed that Lizzie was wearing the red baby doll nightgown. He smiled to himself, and then felt a pang of guilt from the dream he'd had. God, stop being such a pussy, he thought. Max got out of bed, showered, and when he came back into the bedroom, he found that Lizzie had gotten up. He thought she was most likely in the living room drinking coffee and watching TV. He went to the dresser, but as he did, his eyes passed over the nightstand. The small figurine sat gleaming in a ray of light showing through the gap in the curtains. He had never paid much attention to the figurine before. It was fairly smooth, and other than having the basic shape of a chubby woman wearing a grass skirt, there was little detail. Did the figurine look that happy before? Max wondered as he noticed the small figure had a thin black line painted into a smile. But then he laughed. Not this time, weird little Hawaiian thing, he said to the empty room, and then he snapped the figurine of the goddess with this towel. It fell to the ground where it landed hard against the heat register. The porcelain cracked, and where there had been a small hint of a smile, there was now a jagged, broken frown, the white porcelain showing through like teeth. You all right, babe? Lizzie asked, not taking her eyes from the TV where Monica, Chandler, and Ross argued in Monica's apartment. Yeah, I did some sit-ups last night. My abs are sore, Max said as he bent down and rubbed his side. 
There's a knot right there, he said. I doubt you have a knot in your abs from doing sit-ups, Lizzie said. Are you sure I didn't just rock your world last night? Oh, yeah, that's it, Max said, feeling slightly embarrassed. You can barely handle me, Lizzie said. And boy, did I handle you, she laughed at her own joke. Max laughed and then bent over again. It hurt to laugh. I think you made me pull something, he said, rubbing his side. He felt for the small knot of muscle that he'd felt a moment ago, but he couldn't find it. I guess there isn't a knot, he said. And when he stood up, all of the pain on that side had gone away. Hmm, must have been a cramp. Take some a leave, Lizzie joked. Damn it! Lizzie shouted from the bathroom. Max pushed the door open, hoping to find her doing her hair or makeup, but instead she was sitting on the toilet looking at a plastic stick. Babe, move! Max groaned, feeling his breakfast fighting its way back up. I thought for sure I was pregnant this time, she said, not having heard him. Max saw her face and could tell that she was firmly in the grip of PMS. Babe, get out of the way! He said as he stumbled towards the toilet. What are are you doing, she said. Give me a second. Max caught the first wave of vomit in his mouth with his hand. His cheeks bulged out, and a small squirt of white liquid shot down his chin. Lizzie screamed and jumped off of the toilet, getting out of the way just quick enough for Max to drop to his knees and puke. Oh, God. She gagged as Max's whole body heaved. I... Max puked again. I'm sorry, babe. Max said, but when he looked up, Lizzie was gone. Max knew Lizzie had a weak stomach when it came to other people's vomit, and she'd have thrown up if she'd have stayed. Max suddenly felt hollow, as though he had no weight, no substance to offer the world around him. He questioned why Lizzie would want to be with him, when there were other men out there, wealthier and more well-endowed. He wondered why she'd always seemed so loyal to a jerk who couldn't even be honest in a dream. He felt bloated. He felt fat and ugly. A tear slid down his cheek. The warmth of the tear made him sit up. He looked around to see if anyone had seen him. He rubbed the tear off of his face, stood, and flushed the toilet. The emotional storm had passed, leaving him numb and confused. Other than at funerals, Max couldn't remember the last time that he'd ever cried. He quickly used mouthwash and then brushed his teeth. He checked his eyes to make sure it wasn't obvious that he'd been crying. He looked at himself in the mirror and noticed he looked pale. But he didn't feel sick, not not really, not anymore anyways. Mind over matter, stop being a little bitch, he said to his slightly gaunt reflection. Max went into the living room where he found Lizzie sitting on the couch, wearing a scarlet-colored robe and looking at him askance. You okay, dude? she asked. Oh, yeah, I don't know what that was all about. I feel okay, Max said, and now that he thought about it, He did feel okay. I feel fine, actually. I really do. He added with a little more pep as he saw her left eyebrow rise in a classic expression of Lizzie skepticism. Fine. I'll prove it to you. I'm gonna work out. I don't know if I'll have enough time for the gym today, but I'll get some push-ups and pull-ups in. I wouldn't if I were you, she said and went back to staring at the boob tube. Max fell into his push-ups the way he always did, like a tree falling to the ground. This time, when he caught himself, an explosion of pain went down his left side. Oh! He groaned. What's the matter with you? Lizzie said, her eyebrow reaching record heights. 
Sit-ups, Max said. You're that sore from sit-ups? Ha! Admit it, I totally rocked you, Lizzie said. You better do some more push-ups because I'm clearly too much of a woman for you to handle. An hour later, Max was sitting in a chair at the kitchen table, bent at the waist and holding onto his side. I'm running to Walmart to get some 7-Up ibuprofen and some crackers. I'll get some bananas too. I think you've probably just been overdoing it at the gym and need more rest. And probably some potassium, Lizzie told Max, but he wasn't listening. There was a stabbing pain on Max's left side. He probed the once lean muscular tissue with his fingertips, pressing in between his ribs. Once it would have been so easy to find any anomaly there. Now there was a layer of fat acting like a buffer. He had felt a lump. He knew he had. Here, here, it's right, it's right here, he said as he found a large lump about three inches below his left nipple and a little to the side. He'd have stood up to show her, but moving was agony. Lizzie put her cool, silky fingers against his side. Max guided her hand to a place where the lump had been. She felt around, gently at first, but then she began probing with the odd strength that she had in her hands, a vestigial trait from a ranch girl upbringing. She furrowed her brow and curled her upper lip under while sticking out her tongue slightly. It was an expression she always made when she was concentrating and working with her hands. It made her tongue look as though it was her upper lip. There was a chimp-like quality to that expression that made Max smile normally. Now he found it aggravating. I can't feel anything, Lizzie said, giving Max a pitying look. It wasn't doubt he saw on her face, but he could tell that she didn't quite understand what he was talking about. How can you not feel it? It's right here, Max began, but as his fingers pressed into his side, he found nothing but the newly acquired flab over his ribs. I don't get it, he said. It was right here. It was huge. Max sat up and found he had a full range of motion again. There was a dull pain in the general area of his side, but that felt like soreness from working out. I think you're right. I must be cramping up, Max told Lizzie. Get some rest. I'll be back in a few. Keep your phone with you because I'll be checking in every five minutes until I get back, Lizzie said, and then she left through the back door. The moment the door closed, Max found himself overwhelmed with hunger. He went to the refrigerator and opened the right side where he found the shelves stocked with groceries. Apparently Lizzie had gone shopping recently without Max realizing it. He perused the middle shelves, skipping over anything that was in a wrapper of any kind. He knew what he wanted. Last night's leftover country fried steak, mashed potatoes, and gravy. He found the green plastic container, pulled it out, and took the lid off. The chunky texture of the potatoes and the gravy looked like the mushed-up innards of some giant white grub worm. Max nearly vomited. He looked down again. The potatoes looked fine, but he had a feeling that he'd be able to swallow hot coals quicker than he could the potatoes. Suddenly an idea came into his mind and his whole body shuddered, making his legs go weak. He ran to the pantry, threw open the door, and dug through the shelves until he came up with two large bags of stay-puffed marshmallows and two 32-ounce Gatorades. He tore into the bag and ate a marshmallow, groaned, and then washed it down with a Gatorade. Lizzie texted him. You okay, babe? 
He responded with a thumbs up emoji and went back to eating the marshmallows and drinking down the bright green sports drink with his eyes closed. When he opened his eyes, he was in shock to find that he'd eaten both bags of marshmallows and drank all but the last few gulps of the Gatorade. What the hell? He said as he tried shaking the clear plastic as though a marshmallow would suddenly fall out. He didn't remember eating more than a handful. He looked down at his phone and it buzzed. Max, this isn't funny. I'm going to call 911 if you don't answer me. Max looked and saw he had several very worried and angry texts from Lizzie. He responded with, Sorry, I dozed off for a minute. A moment later, she texted back the middle finger emoji and then an angry face. More like I went into a damn trance, Max said. He went back out to the living room where he found himself confronted by another strange wave of emotions. He curled up on the couch and began to weep. This time, he did doze off. Ten or fifteen minutes later, he sat up and looked at his phone. Lizzie had sent a text that said, God damn coronavirus, the store is crazy, I'll be back in a while. A few minutes later, she sent him a series of question marks. He texted back with a smiley face and a high five. Max went to stand up and found that he couldn't budge. His side ached horribly. He reached his hand to the spot where the pain came from and found a giant, tumorous feeling lump under his skin. He pushed on it, and then he withdrew his hand and let out a cry. The fucking thing moved! He put his hand back to his side and felt the lump, which was slowly moving. Max began to feel faint, as though he may pass out. He prodded one more time, and then he felt a sharp stab of pain simultaneously on his finger and through his skin on his side. Oh! He groaned as he looked at his hand. His finger was red and throbbing. On his side, on top of a large misshapen lump, was a small human-like bite mark. Human-like except for the razor-sharp canines where two bleeding holes were left on his skin. Oh, gah! Max groaned again as he flicked his side. The thing curled like an insect being prodded. Pain shot through his whole body. Max took a deep breath, sat up, and looked down at the lump. It was strangely still, and it looked so out of place on his body. Max then noticed that he seemed to be more lean, as though he'd burned off more of the ten pounds that he wanted to lose than he could remember. Maybe it's just the lump making everything look smaller around it, he thought. He leaned in to get a closer look at his side, and when he did, something pushed back against the side of his skin. He could see the impression of something like a human head with a large mouth that was opening and closing, pressing out against his skin. Max panicked and slapped at it hard. The lump withdrew, and his body went nearly back to looking normal before it suddenly lashed out, its teeth stretching the flesh taut before it bit down nearly opening a hole in Max's side, but not quite. Max screamed in agony and began clawing at his side. The lump moved, dodging a punch, climbing through the layer between his body fat and his muscle. Every movement the lump made was a lesson in the limits of pain tolerance. Max vomited, punched at his sides, stood, ran into the wall, and then fell backward, landing on the lump. It, too, seemed stunned by the fall. Max had hit his head on the doorframe of the bathroom door. He looked up and saw flashes of light in his field of vision. He fought against the pull of unconsciousness. He sat up 
and then pulled himself into a kneeling position. He reached down and pushed up off of the floor and found that, in the area of his right love handle, he had a sagging bulge that looked proportionally like a near-backward-facing fanny pack made of flesh. Max went for his phone, picked it up, tried taking a picture of the lump, but it moved. Max caught a glimpse of its knees and elbows pumping like small pistons. He could feel its tiny hands and feet using his muscular and skeletal system as holds to pull and push itself around Max's body. Get it out, he thought. There were no other thoughts than this. The pain was too much and the urgency too great. His mind screamed at him to get the thing out of him. Max stumbled into the kitchen to find the knife. Lizzie came home and parked in the front of the garage. She went through the gate and pulled it shut when she remembered that she forgot the 7-Up in the back seat of her Camry. She was just fumbling with the latch on the gate when she heard a scream from inside of her house. She ran to the back door and threw it open. In three strides, she went through the mudroom and rounded the corner into the kitchen where she stopped almost as though she had hit a wall. A small whine escaped her mouth, her face frozen in a breathless scream of horror. Max was in the kitchen, laughing with blood pouring from his nose. There were strange mottled bruises all over his body. He looked like he had been chewed on. There were raised areas of flesh all over his body as though a gopher had been tunneling beneath his skin. Above his head he held a knife in the air as he laughed maniacally. A look of pure insanity stretched in a wide grin across his face. His left hand was pulling down the front of his basketball shorts where a large bulge like a tumor, or perhaps like that of a pregnant woman who was first showing, stuck out from his lower abdomen. The horror was below the bulge. Max's penis was bending up and down, as though it had an elbow instead of being a protrusion of flesh dependent on blood flow for movement. Out of the end of his urethra, a small, bloody, and crooked finger was curling in a beckoning motion. Lizzie screamed. Max looked up at her, his eyes wide and his face completely insane. His penis curled back towards the bulge and something inside of it turned toward her. The world began to float as Lizzie felt her legs go loose as though she were attempting to stand on a pair of rubber bands. Her bladder let loose and she fell backward into the mudroom where she hit her head on the dryer and fell sideways onto the tile. Max had just grabbed the knife when he heard the door unlock. It was a distant sound. The thing in his body had run laps around his core as he tried to grab hold of it. Each time he did, it had bitten him. Finally, he caught it with both hands against his lower abs, just below the navel. He pinned it there with his left hand as he searched for the small green paring knife. It was the only one they owned he knew to be sufficiently sharp. He didn't know whether he should stab the thing or cut it out, but he would work all of that out later. The lump 
had become incredibly still as he searched, and then, to his surprise, it began moving slowly lower against his abdomen, circling like a puppy about to take a nap. Max found the knife and shouted, Ha ha! I'll get you now, you little alien fucker! Max pulled down his shorts when he realized with blooming dismay what the thing was doing. It was searching for a way out, and it was moving to a place where Max would be very hesitant to use the knife. Max raised the knife, and the thing shoved its tiny arm down the length of Max's dick and began feeling around. Max felt something rupture, and then the finger poked out of the end of Max's penis. He laughed like an insane person as he raised the knife, and then he heard a scream. He looked up and saw Lizzie looking at him. For a moment, he didn't know who she was. But then she fell, and he dropped his hand and stepped towards her. This moment was brief. He saw her hit her head and fall down. But even then, his own circumstance was far more dire. Max let Lizzie be as he swung the knife towards his own penis. Whether out of some strange awareness or out of luck, it bobbed down and he missed it. He raised the knife again and the thing moved back up to his abdomen, leaving Max's savaged member behind. Max stabbed and the creature slipped right. The knife caught under a fold of fat and skin, but it was a glancing shot. Max howled in pain. Don't stab, he thought, with the small corner of sanity left in his mind. Max was vaguely aware that he could kill himself if he stabbed. It was then that Max knew what he had to do. The thing was curled up in a ball against his abs. Max felt it push with its feet as it drove its mouth outward from Max's belly button. It bit at the old scar tissue, attempting to tear its way out. Max punched it twice, and this seemed to stun it. Max slashed a six-inch cut across his belly. He could see the fold open and the fat stuck out in a way that made Max think of insulation sticking out from behind removed sections of drywall. He growled in pain, or perhaps he laughed. He was becoming less and less aware of things like sounds. He reached his hand inside of the warm, greasy opening and caught a leg. He pulled, and an eight-inch-long, deformed baby came out. It had a head, but no eyes, only two large slits of nostrils, and a huge mouth. The teeth were like small piano keys, except for the canines. They were pointed and sharp. The thing bawled in a strange baby's voice and shit a weird black gunk as Max tore it from his body. Max raised it high above his head where he planned fully on swinging it towards the concrete kitchen countertops when he heard it utter two syllables.
You good, bro? No. No, I'm not. Not with Puggles bat-winging whatever part of his anatomy that is. Hey! If one of you two idiots had packed an umbrella, I wouldn't need to improvise! Do you have any idea what part of my body I'm using to shield us from the blood? I do. And I'm impressed, sir. Well, here we are. The sign says, Welcome to Derry. Come join us any time of any day at Carrie's Chapel. Guest speaker shares a penny's worth of wise words of wisdom. Wise words of wisdom? You see, Lovecraft would have never written that in his philological genius. I mean, dope-ass wordsmithery. Well, yeah, whatever. Uh, Let's just get in out of the rain. It feels empty. Hiya, Georgie. Me? Do I look like I'm talking to you? That's alarming. Oh, God, both of his eyes are looking in the opposite corners of the ceiling. (laughs) And even worse, he's a clown. Everybody floats down here. Oh, uh, yeah, whatever. That's real cool, dude. Uh, But we're just trying to get in out of the rain for a minute. (laughs) I feast on your flesh as I feed on your fear. Oh, God. Even to me, clowns are just lecherous and fucking creepy. It's like they're going to go touch a bunch of little kids or something. Oh, you. I know you. You were there at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember this guy. Oh, hey, hey, I invented titty twisters and swirlies with this douche. Oh, you were a sideshow freak back then, too, buddy. Uh, I skinned your piggy flesh right off. Yeah, this little crybaby always had issues. His worlds were never big enough. People were too advanced. Why couldn't he get a civilization full of frogmen with squishy bodies and rich souls? Personally, I think the weird little fucker just has daddy issues, so he came down here to live in the sewers, picking off children. Did Puggles just make Pennywise cry? I'll kill you for this! Oh, yeah, real scary, you sad little carny dork. I just cleared out all the crunch taters. I have all the room in the world for you. Oh, God. Why can't he just use his mouth? He's sucking up the clown through one of those weird flesh straw things. Oh, God. So provocative. Oh, yeah. Oh, that hit the spot. I did that for you, hat guy. Sweet, bro. Let's make like a tree in GTFO. Bitches. Monster Porn Podcast is a production of Warped Box Media. Today's story was The Battle of the Bulge by Bulge War veteran Matt Cummins. Music was by me. Blame everything else on Puggles.
Good day, Monsterbaiters. Brett here. If you enjoyed this episode of Monster Porn, first, we know what you want with all that toilet paper. And second, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Every little bit helps us a great deal, and we love all of our Monsterbaiters for the support. You can visit the official Monster Porn store at monsterpornpodcast.com store, where you can find t-shirts, phone cases, stickers, the Moms Love Monster Porn mug, and the official Monster Porn Myriad Ply toilet paper, as soft as a Shugoth scrotum. And if you're listening to this show, we know you know how soft that is. Matt here. I just want to make a couple of podcast recommendations. I want to go back to the podcast that got me into listening to podcasts uh, with Real Ghost Stories Online, particularly the earlier episodes, and uh, Pseudopod. It's a good one for horror anthology. That's it. Thanks for listening. And until the shark angels come, stay weird and Godspeed, Strange Cowboy. For sure, brah. No, that sounded weird. The thing is, this is something that I would never actually say. <laughs> it's going to be more uncomfortable than your other lines. Would you two shut up? Always makes the drum make sounds. I just spit all over the mic. Gross. Lucky mic. Uh, we need to, like, lice all this whole thing here. Fifteen years later, he'd seen Ashley and realized that she would have been a good... When Max and Lizzie had Candace, she was one of the only girls born to the men in Max's whole generation on his side of the family. There were plenty of children. Hell, it seemed like his brothers couldn't stop having him. Having him. <laughs> oh God, that no! <laughs> having them, them, them. <laughs> uh, it was just brother Bukaki. <laughs> oh no! Oh, it's worse because I know your brothers. <laughs> this isn't me. This character is not me. <laughs> uh, sure thing, Max. <laughs> sure, I didn't just rock your world last night. Oh, yeah, that's it, Matt. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> it comes out. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was just a pure mistake, uh, Max said. Uh-huh. This is the autobiography. Well, the, the ending is the only thing biographical. <laughs> uh, I, know. I, I met the little guy. <laughs> I nursed him. <laughs> She ran to the back door, threw it open, and in three strides, she went through the... And then she was there. Bam!